You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. School's out for summer. Summer. Greg Hectus. I still have to work. And I bet Tony Groves has to work, too. Yeah, he does. I ain't singing about that. What's up, fellas? All right. Welcome. On the show today, we'll have Evan Pasoko joining us to cover the E-NASCAR Coke race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The Porsche Super Cups, Penuplet, Penuplet, oh boy. Race of the season was at the Monza, which included a save of the year candidate. We take a nostalgic back to 2006 with a Tafosi teammate and check out a rig perfect for the upcoming vacation season. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products that we display by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. First time winner, Ashton Crowder funneled time at turn four to his first win in the Enas car peaking. And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom. It is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. All right, Evan Pasoko, welcome. Let's talk Coke racing at Charlotte, uh, the longest race of the year for NASCAR. But, man, it kind of fell short uh, this time with the Coke race. Yeah, it's not uh, the Coke race uh, at Charlotte of the past, right? I know last year this race um, was in line with what we typically used to do, 50% distance, so it was a 300-miler. This year, half that, right? I mean, only 100 laps um race time clocking in at 58 minutes that's shorter than most league races on the service right so it was uh, a little bit strange but I, I i don't think that the uh short distance robbed us of uh much excitement because it was uh, still a race and involved a lot of drivers coming through the field coming and going and strategy like in the coke 600 um took center stage here in the coca-cola 150 yeah, you'd be surprised uh, that we'll be talking about fuel in such a short race, but let's do it. So early on, it was Mike Conti leading. Uh, some signs from uh, of life from Keegan Leahy, who's looking to finally turn his season around. He was currently in P2. And then last season, Malik Ray nearly won this race. He's still showing impressive speed. Currently P5 from 12th starting spot, looking for fourth on lap 19. 
And Conti, somebody who we've discussed, uh, has been really good this year, right? Started up front on pole. Um, he's doing a good job, uh, you know, leading laps early. You talk about Malik Gray. I think it was uh, Blake uh, who mentioned this could be the night, right? I mean, he was so good here last year, finished runner-up in that one. Uh, he's making a lot of passes early in this race and, you know, starting to think as this thing gets a green flag start to it, you know, all right, well, Conti's kind of the car to beat here. You got a lot of guys coming up through the field. This one looked like it was going to shake out uh, on a green flag stretch through the opening quarter but uh we got caution lap 25 it's colin bowden gets loose and then mercurio and clamp at wreck trying to avoid it and then the field piles in from behind at least uh 10 cars in that wreck yeah i'm not uh, not shocked that you're gonna get a big one like this right i mean even though um it's not the 550 intermediate package um you know these cars are still gonna be uh, clumped together and poor colin bowden for the last two races um he has volunteered to be our in race reporter we didn't even get to talk to him at the last race because he wrecked out uh before we had a chance and then here tonight got a word in with him after starting p2 which was super impressive for him just i think it was just too loose he just couldn't get a handle on it on race trim uh he was falling back and back and back and by this point it already fallen out of the top 10 just gets a little bit loose he overcorrects it and uh, it's a huge mess that takes out a really fast car in logan clampett and now we go back to restart and and i was almost like is this the same caution because we literally went to caution as the green was coming out. It was an immediate caution for Dylan Alt. A painful rookie campaign continues as he's a victim of that massive checkup. Corey Vincent with heavy nose damage from the contact as well, and we're under caution again. Two quick yellows. All of a sudden, we're thinking, you know, maybe this isn't going to be that green flag race that we thought it was going to be. Um, I don't think anyone's shocked. Like I mentioned with the previous incident, you got to wreck off of a restart, right? That's not really any breaking news um, in, in the way that these oval races go these days. But at this point, you know, we really don't know which direction the race is going to go. Um, you had those opening 24 laps uninterrupted without a yellow. And now we have two quick ones back to back. And you start to look back to the uh, Charlotte race from last year. That 200 uh, lap race uh, had about seven caution flags. And you're starting to think, all right, maybe it's going to be a race where we don't even get to a cycle of the green flag pit service. And what we're not even kind of realizing in this moment is this is when the strategy play was being made, right? A couple of drivers coming down to the pit lane we're thinking oh it's not that big of a deal they're going to come in uh, they're going to top off you might as well use some tires you certainly have the sets for a race this short and then this would really set things up uh, for what would be the rest of the race well absolutely um the guys who pitted here um ended up not pitting again and some of them but anyway let's go into it they get some laps going finally and they're Eventually, we got three wide for P4. It was Vicente Salas uh, takes it for the moment. Keegan Leahy says he's fuel saving. And uh, all of a sudden, we're realizing this could be a fuel mileage race, as you were talking about. Uh, since announcing his plans, he has fallen to P13, 41 laps to go. 
People saving fuel from the second some of those drivers got off to the pit lane, right? And there was a little bit of variance in the strategy. Uh, some of the drivers pitted on that lap number 25 yellow. Some of them pitted on that second caution flag. Uh, but, you know, even on that first yellow and people started saving right off of the pit lane, we're starting to think, you know, how close is this really going to be? Uh, Keegan Leahy notably, of course, saying that he's saving fuel. Uh, James Pike was doing a good job on pit road with us, um, kind of informing us that some of the chatter was going. And again, admittedly, at this point i wasn't too sold on the pit strategy you know angle of this race because we had just seen two yellows in six laps and i'm thinking well it's not going to matter there's going to be a yellow they'll have a chance to either come down to the pit lane then or just save some more fuel under yellow but then as this race starts to play on you really have drivers saving fuel uh losing position some drivers saved early others saved later and uh you know as we got deeper in the race um you know it, it started to become clear that you know not everybody was going to go to the end of the race and then the question turned to who's going to pit and who's not yeah and so the people that decided to pit lap 67 vicente sales femi that they started it ducking on the boat under green 69 uh graham bullen mitchell de young taylor hearse and others pit and then 29 to go mike conti the leader actually pits from the lead and now Casey Kerwin takes control. And Casey cycling through to the race lead. Um, he's somebody else um, who has had opportunities this year, but uh, has not really had the results. I think that uh, that he would have wanted, all things considered. He's a top five car, but he's had chances to win races, right? I mean, a third at Kansas, uh, an eighth at Vegas, or a fifth at Vegas, I should say, right? I mean, almost every intermediate racetrack, Casey Kerwin's been up there. And you're thinking, yeah, he's been consistent, but the way that the winners are starting to shake out in this series so far this year, Casey Kerwin's not in a really comfortable spot until he wins one of these races. And you're thinking maybe now this is going to open an opportunity for him if maybe he could stay out and go to the race lead. And of course, as this race would play through, uh, you know, Casey would, would lead the next 10 laps or so. Um, and then uh, obviously have to make a strategy play that would hand the race lead over to the next driver. Yeah, and at this point, it, it looks like if it fully cycled, Mitchell DeYoung would be in the catbird seat. He was the first of the pitters to actually unlap himself. But as you said, uh, said Kerwin continued to lead until he decided to pit with others. Looked like he did two tires, though. Um, and then Malik Ray assumes a lead with under 20 to go. Uh, now we're at 15 to go, and Malik uh, gives it up. Um, he doesn't, is, you know, is he going to have to make it or not? Well, and the two-tire aspect's interesting, right? Because there were two discussions that were happening at this point. Right? Conti was the race leader when all of this started to kick off, so we had kind of assumed if the drivers who stay out can't make it to the end of the race, Conti's going to be the guy to look for, right? You just kind of assume Michael Conti's going to be the net race leader. But because, you know, some drivers took two, some drivers took four, he ends up like fourth or fifth on that list of guys who were then good to go to the end of the race. And we saw a bunch of people coming down to the pit lane. You're starting to think, all right, it's a pretty easy decision. In the end, it's a little bit less than I think half of the cars who actually pitted. Most drivers started really saving hard Malik Ray in included who obviously had that speed early driving up through the field trying to get to the end of this race yeah so at 10 to go it was uh malik ray novak busa wilson guest mullis alfala mains duval Leahy. they were all trying to stretch it uh to make it at eight to go 
Zach Novak closing in on Ray for the lead. And boy, you could see that look in Zach's eye. Uh, man, he was on it. He was uh, absolutely on it and trying to make it to the end of this thing. And, and then it's the waiting game, right? Because w some drivers were so short. Other drivers, you know, uh, I talked about some pitted on that first yellow, right? Some pitted on that second yellow. That four-lap difference ended up being huge, right, on when you decided to come down to the pit lane at this point. Uh, some drivers were, you know, riding the high side, as Blake had mentioned, which wasn't indicative of somebody saving fuel. Other drivers were very clearly country to coasting, and you saw drivers, you know, with a big lead start to lose that lead because they were trying to save. And I think most of them by that point knew if they were good or not, but we didn't know, you know, the status on everybody on fuel. So uh, it was certainly nail-biting headed into those final 10. Yeah, and I think Zach was unsure if he was going to make it, Novak. Uh, but with Busa coming, it was clear Busa had saved enough that he thought he could make it. So he was coming hard, and at five to go, Matt Busa takes the lead. Um, it looks like Malik Ray and Ryan Luzer are pitting at five to go. Uh, three to go, it's it's Busa and Novak. You know, in the big, you know, crunching the teeth is can they make it on fuel? Uh, Novak seems to have a bit more fuel because he pitted later than Matt, um, but can't get to his bumper. I mean, he can't get to him. Uh, and, and Matt Busa holds him off for the win. And Matt Busa would later post on uh, Twitter his onboard. And thus, I mean, no exaggeration. The second he crossed the finish line, it started sputtering. So I think uh, he was a little bit worried that it may have run out at a four, but I think the pressure from Novak, who again, as you correctly mentioned, was better on fuel than him and was kind of no doubt about her on being able to make it to the end. He had to go, right? There's no situation there where he can save that extra quarter lap with Novak pushing. And if it ran out of four, it ran out of four, but he was able to make it those extra 400 feet to the start finish line. Uh, it's a great opportunity for Zach Novak to try to return to victory lane, of course, we mentioned on the broadcast, uh, you know, looking to get back into victory lane after quite some time since he won a championship several years ago. But in the end, it's Matt Busa, who is so very impressive, heads to victory lane and gets the race win at the Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, a great win for the Kyle Long led mode motorsports team, which is big for him. Uh, he was, you know, somebody who we don't talk a ton about, but you know, I mentioned Kerwin, who's been so good this year without a win, kind of in a precarious position. Abusa was in a very similar spot. He entered the race Tuesday night as the highest-running driver in the championship without a race win. That race win is huge for him because some guys were talking about, yeah, they have a win, but we still have six more regular season races after this, right? There's only four spots on points. So there is, like last year, a chance we have more winners than playoff spots. So this one is huge for Busa because I would consider him a lock. Not only does he have the points, but now he has the win to go with it. And Matt Busa is going to have an opportunity to fight for the championship in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody on Twitter pointed out this is win number five of the season for Team Ponty on the back end teams. Uh, that's very impressive for those guys. Uh, Michael Guest, Blake Reynolds are putting uh, the Beaver eSports team back on top of the team standings. And Steven Wilson does lead the overall points now. And, of course, uh, defending champ Keegan Lee Leahy finally has a clean race. He gets his first top 10 since Atlanta 
uh, back at the start of the year uh, and his eighth place finish tonight. The best of him all year. So Leahy gets back above the top 20 cut. That was a very competitive segment of the field uh, because, you know, Vicente Salas, Donovan Strauss, Dylan Duvall all have sub 20th placed finishes. They drop below that relegation bubble. It was big nights for Leahy eighth, Brotherton 12th, Alfala fifth, who jumped from under to above um, that cut line for the top 20 in the championship. And I want to give credit to Jim Beaver Esports, who you referenced. What a run it's been for them, right? They have not been the team that has historically had first pick at drivers, right? The draft in the first year was one thing, but since then, and we've gone to this free agency thing, it's tough for a Jim Beaver Esports to compare with Stuart Haas Esports, right? 2311 Racing, Junior Motorsports, Joe Gibbs, Williams Esports, right? It is tough for Jim to compete with that. And for him to have stuck with a driver lineup and, uh, you know, kind of had to work with that, they have been super, super impressive. And, yeah, for uh, them to certainly lead um, the team championship once more, led by Michael Guest with a P3 at Charlotte, I think is uh, certainly worth applauding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously looking at the points, the other people that we haven't really mentioned but are in the mix, Corey Vincent, Taylor Hurst, Garrett Maines, wrapping, uh, you know, wrapping up the top 10 in points and uh, looking good. So what do we got next time, two weeks from now, right? We actually don't even need to wait a week. We're going to be back at it again next Tuesday, and it's going to be an, another Coke Series first. Um, we talked a lot about how those firsts are impacting, uh, you know, this series as of late. Talked about the Bristol Dirt Race a little bit earlier this year, uh, but we're going to head uh, to the outskirts of St. Louis to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway for 120 laps of racing there. First time in Coke Series history. And the 120 laps I just wanted to mention because I was looking at the NASCAR calendar this week doesn't sound like a long race either, right? I mean, 100 laps at Charlotte, Gateway is a little bit smaller, 120 laps kind of fits in, um, you know, with what we've been doing on this schedule. But the actual Cup Series race at Gateway is only 240 laps uh, on June the 5th. So this is actually a 50% race, despite the fact that Charlotte, their race was, uh, you know, a 25% race. Um, so I don't think that's going to make the race much longer as far as how late in the night will go. Still not that long, but I did think it was interesting noting that we're going to go from a 25% length race to a 50% race. And we really don't know what to see, right? This racetrack is very flat. Uh, you know, you can compare it, if you will, uh, to the likes of uh, a combination of a Darlington and a New Hampshire, right? It's got the shape of Darlington with different sizes corners but the flatness of a new hampshire motor speedway which doesn't often make it onto the calendar with much regularity in this series so you know if you're good at a martinsville if you're good at a new hampshire maybe you're going to be good at gateway we have to assume you mentioned how successful team conti has been this year that their cars are going to be good but uh this is a very one-off race there's no track like this that we've been to so far we're not going to visit another racetrack like this later this year so it is kind of an outlier and falls at a, a very critical point point in the season um for round number nine of 14 on the regular season well I'll, I'll call it now we're gonna have another new winner garrett mains he's good at these flat ovals um we we've seen him you know kick some butt at martinsville and places like that so he'll do well real well i'm sure
I, I'm not going to argue on that one. And, and, you know, you look back uh, historically at some of the other racetracks, you know, I talk about New Hampshire doesn't get on the calendar a lot. Uh, Jimmy Mullis, though, won it that race last year in this series. Uh, Jimmy's a guy that would certainly love uh, to get a good result. Uh, at this point in the season, um, you know, he's somebody else who uh, is kind of in a tricky position in terms of where he fights in this championship, right? Uh, he needs to to figure it out. He's 13th. He's, you know, relatively comfortable, I'd say, above the relegation bubble, but he's not in a playoff spot right now. He's coming off of a P4 this past week at Charlotte, right? What could Bullis do? Somebody else who's good at those flat tracks. All right, very good. Evan Pasoko, thanks so much for coming on and talking Coke Racing. And, hey, we'll do it again next week. It sounds good, guys. Make sure you tune in Tuesday, May the 31st. It's a uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time start, as always, for Countdown to Green at enascar.com slash live. And then uh, we'll talk about it after next week. All right, we had some Porsche Super Cup action to kick off the topics today. Uh, Sebastian Job, he uh, took the win at the Porsche Toyer Hag Series Super Cup race at Le Mans. It was his second victory of the season. Diego Pinto finishes second and solidifies his hold on the championship lead going into the final of the race of the year at Monza, which is in two weeks. And he's got a comfortable 488-point advantage. And uh, looking here at the first tweet we have on the script, uh, it was Sebastian in, in first place with Diego in second, and they were followed up by Jeremy Budaloup, uh, Alejandro Sanchez, uh, Cooper Whip. Nope, Alex. I forgot who Alex B was. I didn't open that one link up. Cooper Webster, yeah. That's Good job Webster. on the word. And then... Uh, I guess Alex B and Cooper Webster are the same link. That's weird. The links are broken. So I don't know who Alex and B is. So sorry about that. It's going to the same. The Twitter link is going to Alec Cooper's website twice on Twitter. Um, but they got one race left. Now, now, Sebastian, I mean, you can't get closer to a spin and win than this. I mean, when you look at the next tweet down, we got a video of the race winner getting sideways because they're all grouped together in a clump and he he got touched and the car turned all the way you know perpendicular to everybody else uh another car hit the nose which turned him back straight he was able to continue the race and obviously win uh that's a great replay that was crazy because that's at the fastest spot of the track too yeah, they were hauling right there, too. And and you know what? If that other car wasn't there to turn him about, man, he would have lost it for sure. He's lucky to get away with it without damage, too. And he kept the momentum where he didn't lose a lot of positions. I'm not sure he actually hits the second car, either. How did it turn right back around? It just The tires caught? He was already straightening back. He lo he just locked the brakes up. He just locked the brakes up, and the nose went back forward. I don't, he's, no, the car starts turning before the contact. On the one that he touched that car. I don't know. The it looks more like the turn started. When they show the slow-mo, it, it, they touch. If anything, it's net, net code touch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
but that's still kind of it's utterly lucky then and still being able to maintain your composure in that kind of situation i just don't know yeah. i just that is how he lost no positions or sorry he lost one position out of that is crazy and still won yeah so later in the week josh rogers mitchell DeYoung, and others from Kowanda Esports all put out tweets uh, announcing, uh, I'll read it here, Josh Rogers says, I'm beyond excited to start this journey with the Porsche Kowanda Esports racing team as an official Porsche Works driver. It's a dream come true to represent a brand like Porsche, and I can't wait to continue writing history with my teammates and this iconic brand in the virtual world. That's crazy to get to get this opportunity from sim racing. Now, is there something significant about saying works like a Porsche works driver? I mean, what does that mean? So there's probably the Porsche factory stuff. So sometimes they call like I don't know if you're in 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 like F1 if you have um I could be a little bit wrong here, but um Red Bull and then Alpha Tori, which used to be their other Red Bull team, the works team is the second team. So it's like you have a main team and then a Mark backup team. team that's owned before it. They call it the works. But I think they might be using the works part here as it also being because it's a factory. It's another full factory setup. I mean, it seems just like to me a partner, I mean, a, a sponsorship more than anything, but you know, they're you know, representing the brand. You know, they all got the Porsche shirts on and you know, they'll wear the Porsche hats and they'll sim race. But it sounds like they're actually getting a chance to run the actual real-life cars. I don't know. I, I kind of d- dug a little deeper to see if there's more info. I couldn't find anything. So we'll have to see how this uh, develops. The real question, though, is how much of this iRacing lingo do they use? What do you think, Greg? Um, I was kind of going through these. I was, it was hard to because you can't mute uh instagram on here to see what they're talking about is this them figuring out the the, the lingo that we use in, in in the racing here um it's arc arca breaking it's something that they're learning on here they is what they're talking about yeah it's just the actors yeah. uh learning learning about sim racing and and how we how we talk this fella here finds it pretty fascinating that we seem to have like our our own language um yeah and he and he does reference you know like arca breaks like whoa what, what the heck is arca breaking <laughs> we all know we can all chuckle and then i guess uh sound engineer brian uh waves it's an interesting uh <laughs> last name to have for a sound engineer but uh he he's he mentioned that he's kind of in love with watching video gaming and and, and the sim racing part of it and uh which is kind of like I never thought I'd be watching the sim racing aspect as well. I don't know about you guys, but it's it's interesting to see that someone like this is into uh, uh, watching it after uh, seeing it for the first little bit. Well, what are some other lingo words you can think of that we we often talk about? Obviously, netcode is is probably the most infamous one, right? Alien. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Glitch. Glitch so, what, what do you call those guys lag. that we? Soon, we enter soon, the room. Hashtag soon. We call everybody's name out that we don't want to wreck with. Weapon. 
That's usually what we call them is, is either a weapon or uh, other words that usually get our voice suspended for three weeks. So these were Instagram uh, reels from the Sim Racer film, which is still due out this year. And I'm going to make a point of going and seeing it if it ever releases. This actor, is he supposed to play like, uh, who's he playing in it? I mean, I'm interested to see who, what character he's considered to be playing. I don't know. Pretty tight-lipped. I mean, we saw one little preview, I think, last fall, and that was about it. Yeah, in fact, I, d- I did just get through the clip. He literally only talks about Archibrake. It was just a real quick clip from the Sam Racer film. Yeah, I was trying it, to watch it, funny. I can't mute it from us, our stream if I watch it in the other background because of the volume problem it has. It's kind of funny because he's like an outsider. And he's chuckling that we even say the word Arca breaks, you know, and that it actually means something. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of funny to see his reaction or his, imp- his impression of what we're doing. Well, think, remember when Among Us came out and all the kids were saying sus? My, my six-year-old and three-year-old at the time going through the house would say that <laughs> you're sus. Or uh, you're the imposter. Like, yeah, yep. it's, it's amazing how fast they catch on. Uh, you know, it's just you've developed a culture where, and the language evolves to to make the game communication more efficient and funny. Because saying Arca breaks is, is funny because it's kind of a dig at Arca at the same time as the driver. Well, what do you think the most universal video game like word is? Do you think noob would be one of the most universal ones? Probably, I, I, rookie. I don't rookie doesn't really get used as much as noob. That and hacker, or is it is it squeaky that squeaker if they uh, for like shooters is it squeaker for like a young kid? Well, that's because they actually play the other games. It's we you have the you have the one young kid in in i racing in the split, and when every time he talks, it's the, everybody just starts hazing him horribly. We got acronyms. We have, you know, slang for hard. Like when people say DD, we know what that means. But a stranger would have no idea what a DD is. Or D-box. An H or a sequential. How about full send? That's, there you that's go. pretty much pretty much a sim race. Die bomb. Protest? That seems to be in someone's vocabulary. Well, we'll move, we'll get this ball moving or this uh, whatever. The next uh, topic, if you want to hear some good iRacing lingo or maybe some good tips and tricks, Fast Pastas put out some more iRacing tip videos. Yeah, this is uh, two of I think three. I don't I don't think I got the one on here, but how to set up and complete a pass. And I, I, what I like about these videos is he keeps them short and sweet, and so. You know, most people's attention span is pretty pretty uh, short these days, and it fits that. Um, you know, he he basically breaks it down of, you know, trying to set the guy up by picking a different line. You know, maybe you know, enter a little higher, and then you cross over and go underneath, kind of thing, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the other one was how to threshold break, which basically means he describes as that's the point when you're pushing the hardest on the break or you're trying to get it to the highest percentage of pushing the brake and it and his tip is to basically get that braking done sooner rather than later don't slowly start braking he was saying brake hard 
first and get that car down to a uh, the speed it needs to be. We've covered this tip before, particularly with road racing, because it's it's called if you were to look at your telemetry, you want to have kind of a wedge shape in your brake trace, um, because it, when you're at your full speed, your car has the most downforce. And your, your brakes will be the most effective, basically. Also, at, once you're at the slower speed and you're, you're also applying your wheels to turn, you don't have as much wheel available or as much grip available to use the brake. So if you stay on the brake too much, you'll spin. All right, Anthony, tell us a little bit about the not top 10. Yeah, I racing throughout a, another video. We got the not top 10. And <laughs> guess what? This is one that I have not watched watched all the other videos this one kind of skipped by me that uh the first, first wreck one. takes oh care of a lot of it that, that sums up yeah just watch the first one that just sums it all up that's just life and eye racing that dover wreck is so bad that that shouldn't be the first oh. one that should be that should be <laughs> number one well that didn't take long <laughs> yeah that oh, seems to be pretty much all the racing for the last couple weeks <laughs> number nine, he puts it in reverse on a standing still start. Whoops. Oh, and then number eight. Oh. We can just do a live watch through here on the show. The the uh, adding of the effect of an explosion into it makes it even much better. Yeah. The saucer top is pretty funny. We got a nice pile up at the Nurburgring. So now I'm going to go into number five because you have to listen to the audio part of it. So they're doing a broadcasted race and Zach Johnson gets a live phone call from his brother. Who's in the broadcast booth. And as soon as he goes to answer the call, you can see his car veer off and he basically causes this huge wreck. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Been there, done that. <laughs> That's funny. Don't answer the phone when you're racing. I almost wrecked this morning look at, just trying to look at who was calling because I kept getting spam phone calls during the 600. I was wondering how people type those huge sentences while they're driving. Okay. The, Three is pretty crazy. This last one, like number 10, how is that like? How is that in the not top 10? That should be like in the top 10. That is carrying your buddy to the end, to the finish line. That is like almost getting out of the car and racing to the finish line. Well done. He's got a car upside down on his hood, and he basically carries him to the checker. Now, I'm thinking the car upside down on the hood actually is in front of the other car. He wins it. That's how I'm seeing it. I mean, like, hopefully that's a teammate. Like, <laughs> that is teamwork. Yeah, but even though you had one guy carry across, the rest of them, it was a, we're all just, quote, full sending it in the middle of the wreck. There is they were so not much lifting. arca breaking going on. Do you even know video. how to caution? <laughs> Those are as fun to watch as the regular videos. The not top tens, I think, are just as fun. I think we relate somewhat. But more. Well, they're kind of more fun because they they can have so much more uniqueness to them. And th at this point, the top ten, it's mostly lap, lap, last lap passes and side-by-side -side racing, right? Well, let's face it. I mean, we see on a day-to-day -day basis, more not top 10s than we do top 10s. So, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Especially this week. <laughs> oh, it's been rough. 
Well, this next topic, I think we're going to be biased on, but BMW Esports, they posted a poll on their Twitter channel, and they were asking, uh, should they host their next event on iRacing or Assetto Corsa? So, vote. Yeah, they voted, and it, it's quite of a, a popularity contest, but they had a lot of votes. Yeah, the on our the picture on our 000. site. The picture on the site shows it as 60% for uh, BMW. Or no, that's a, that's still up to date. I mean, for iRacing, that's still up to date too, isn't it? For almost 28,000 well, votes. 28,000 and iRacing got 60% and ACC got 39%. I mean, even the, you know, if you think of iRacing's footprint compared to ACC's, that's pretty big for both. Well, if there's anything that supposedly ACC is a little bit better at, it's it, it is specifically the GT cars, right? But what they're what not they better at, because we had a former teammate who came through and the very thing he liked over iRacing better than than uh, ACC was just the, as much as we're talking about the not top 10, there's more of them on AC, on the ACC side. Than, than here and it doesn't have it just doesn't have as good of a pickup a pickup race session you know where you have an, an official race every two hours and such so twitter has spoken uh greg have you uh, heard about the membership drop in iRacing well and um I, i'm guessing from uh what's the member re samuelson uh posted that there's been a 2.3 percent drop in membership um, for iRacing, but it's still at a strong 9% increase year over year. Um, and, you know, looking at a lot of it, I mean, I don't know when he's pulled his data, um, but could it, could most of his data come, is it coming right here when we go into the summer um, months where we always see a dip or, you know, I'd like to see when it was complete, when it was pulled for it, but you know, you're going to lose customers here or there all the time. I think it was but. just for the month of May. Yeah, it was the drop was for the month of May. Um, oh, okay. They're 9% up on the year. The uh, There's a couple of quick replies that really sum it up really succinctly. Summer starting, pandemic ending. Uh, so we may get it back in October. And then just right down the road, somebody pitch, pitches in that people are just having to cut back on everything because of inflation. Well, and the other thing is, is um, do we have more expectations of inflation? Like, obviously, 9% is a good and, you know, remaining strong per year. I mean, we got the big boom at the beginning of the pandemic. We don't expect it to ever keep going that way again um, with a huge increase like that. But at 9%, that's still a decent percentage per year. Little growth, I think, is good. If it stays flat or good, I, I decrease is a little alarming. And 9% is a little, it's kind of a big number, but it's probably just, like you said, the summer and the economy and the inflation. Now, I'm wondering, too, like, I felt in the last little bit, I've just been looking at some of the stuff, the content in the last build and stuff like that didn't seem, for, I mean, on my end, it didn't seem the greatest. So I don't know, I don't know anybody else's feelings, but sometimes some of that, can knock people out too if they're not a great release to or or things like that. But I, I think what David pointed out there too was this economy and, and everything that's happening right there is definitely probably a, a, the biggest factor in all of this. 
Well, fortunately, with the current growth that they do still have coming in, they're able to put their colors out there on at local tracks and, and even, this, even the National Series sometimes. Right, Tony? Yeah, not only uh, getting them out on track, they are putting them into the winner's circle. Uh, we had we had two. Uh, Alan Tardiff was racing at Oxford Plains and won the heat and the feature race, um, maxing out his points uh, in the iRacing colors. And Carson Vapel. Wapple. Vapple. Quapple. Quapple. Is he related there to Travis? Go. Yeah, his Travis's dad. Travis's dad and Carson his son. Well, he celebrated uh, in good fashion for his 19th birthday by uh, scoring a win at Franklin County Speedway. Nice. I saw, I posted a replay last night of Carson Quapple at um, Millbridge in a dirt midget or not a dirt, no, a dirt sprint uh, flipping over and over and over like a five barrel roll roll. He turned out not getting hurt. Uh, thank God. But that was uh, quite a scary ride for Carson Quapple. Now notice this is a pavement late model that he won in and now he's, you know, running dirt, you know, so Carson's all over the place. Well, you know, I I did mention earlier that summer vacation has started and, you know, it's been a pretty stressful year. Sometimes I really just think I'm going to kind of have to kick back and relax, but I don't know if I can let go of iRacing quite yet or not. So tell us about this new rig, uh, uh, Mike. Well, we're, I mean, this is a special rig review. Normally we would wait till the hardware section of the show, but um, iRacing, you know, basically tweeted out who's doing some sim racing this weekend show us your setups and the one that took the cake was uh 10 top oz racing um and they basically posted up uh they're at the side of a creek or a, a river where they're doing some fishing and they basically got their i racing set up there on the side of the creek so they can run some races you got the uh, Thrustmaster wheel and pedals a laptop, a mouse, a Dr. Pepper, a small folding table, and a, a camp chair. Um, and it looks like, you know, he went all out, even even got like a little rug to set everything on, too. Well, congratulations on making it to the top of the uh, the main topics instead, or the middle of the main topics instead of having to wait until hardware. Well, this, this, is, uh, this is perfect. Um, you know, with this kind of setup, um, no matter what kind of garbage you run into in the race, you're going to be totally chill to this whole thing. How is it that we can get him, someone out racing in the woods, but we can't get Brian to have a clear signal from his own house? Because he's in a I place was where the this, signal stinks. Now, I think, you know, uh, Brian has um, done the show from his RV while he was out camping, but I don't know if he actually was racing while he was camping. I don't think he did, He, but he, he did just do the show. Nice setup. David, t- this next one, uh, I'm going to throw it to you because you, you're, you're pretty passionate about this, you and Adam. I was going to go ahead and take this one because, yeah, we know that you can go into the display options and you can click hide card numbers and make uh, make the custom number paint shows show up. All right, cool. It's um pretty neat. However, um. I don't want to check it when I'm in official races because if I'm about to pass the two car, I don't want to see an 80 on their car. 
And That's if why you, I don't have it checked. Yeah, if you click this button, it shows their complete custom paint. So, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and call out Adam. He's a teammate. He will not run the numbers in the new location. Okay? So, his custom paints still have old school cars. He's stuck in, you know, that the 70s. Back in the good old days in NASCAR. Um, and uh, so, he hasn't even made a, a non-custom paint. And as a result, if you don't click this button, you don't see his paint at all. So I'm not going to click this button for official races. And it was becoming kind of a hassle with, with the league racing on, on Mondays because I, I, w- I would still not be seeing anybody's custom paints in that race where everybody does have the custom numbers because they have assigned numbers. But you can click this button in the league settings for each race you set up as well because they actually tested that Monday and it worked because I saw Adam's paint but then as soon as I got in an official race after that league race, I was back to seeing the correct numbers. Ah, so the trick is the league admin to set up the room that way, right? Yeah, and that's what we figured out. I figured this out because I hosted a Le Mans race for Sunday night, right? Or, or, or in a, La, in a, a Le Mans scrimmage with like six people. But um, Caution fest. <laughs> yeah, we turned the live cautions on. And I, I guessed a number that I thought would be the number of cautions. And then somebody started just wrecking right off the bat and racked up all the cautions by themselves. That It, it was like 18x. It was ridiculous. Um, But I noticed that, the, that there was the option to click that in the league settings or in the hosted settings. So I asked Jeff if if that shows up for, for league races too. And he said, yes, it does. We found it. And so now they're running it that way. So you, you, you can see the custom paints for a league without having to get into, um, without having to worry about unclicking it as soon as you go back into official racing. Very well done. Yeah. I'm just too lazy to go back in there and just check it, uncheck it, depending on if it's official or not. So, you know, it's just got to stay in one spot. That gives me a feature request. I'm tired of having to click the metric button every time I switch to a metric car. I, like I said to you the last time, I don't understand why that can't be like when you do the, when you hit that button in the options menu for universal uh, thing for universal car, whatever. I, I can't remember the, what it says, but it's, universal it's custom, it's custom custom for that car. That should be, it would, should keep it and save it. It should be for that setting. Yeah, because if I'm in a GT car, the the increments are liters on the fuel. If I'm in a cup car, the increments for the, for is gallons for the fuel, plus all the springs, all the perches, all the tire pressures and everything. I want them to be in the even units, whether I'm standard or metric. What I don't want is to have a lifetime ban, Tony. <laughs> oh, no, you do not, sir. Not this way. Um People like this one, uh, yeah, they don't they don't deserve to be uh, on the um, on the service at all. So basically, what happened here um, is like a, I don't know what some road car GT3 maybe. Um, yes, thank nice. Um, gets himself into trouble. It's like it's like a turn one type shenanigans. Everybody's uh, you know vying for that one spot in, in turn one and he gets caught up in it, um, rages out and decides to park his car, um, just past uh, turn one at, um, whatever track this is, but it's, it's, 
one of those turns where you can't see anything happening until you're basically right there. So he parked it there so he could, um, you know, wreck a whole bunch of people, which he did. And uh, then he proceeds to to do it again to make sure to collect as much of the field in that debacle as 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 he could. Yeah, he pulled it out for the leaders to get him. The leader got by, but second place nailed him. And who was the guy who put up the video? But then that knocked him clear off track. But then he backed up into the track again for the rest of the field that were coming through, and he takes out more cars. So. What does Nim Cross, I mean, if this guy didn't post a protest, I mean, does Nim Cross go researching? Like, can he go find the race results and figure out what, you know, name is on that car number and, and, and write this guy a protest? If that guy doesn't get protested, then there's a bunch of wusses on that, in, in that server. Yeah, I'm sure at least one person would have protested that. That's, I just can't believe what what they think they're gonna accomplish like you know you're gonna there's just you're they're too unlikely to have uh something happen there why would you even think that that's okay i mean this sounds like this kind of reminds me more of a video game type of thing that they're doing than sim racing so the pile up in turn one and you know lap one that's kind of normal in a lot of races especially if you're towards the back of the pack but you know, you're supposed to exit out or just get back on track and go, but not park it, you know, perpendicular on the track and wait for the field to come around to wreck into you. I mean, uh, this is kind of a, a major deal. You don't do this in iRacing. This isn't a video game. Yeah, I. this is probably, like, one of the most blatant, obvious, like, what are you doing, man? Um, exactly what you said, this... You you do this in like the NASCAR video game, you know, when you're playing against the computers, you don't do this to other people. It's not what we're about. And could you imagine if you actually did get the reply, the form letter reply to the iRacing that says, we don't think this guy intentionally blah, blah, blah. That would, that I don't think it would happen in this. Nim won't let something like this slide. Would it be left lifetime? I don't know. It might be, uh, did Scott Speed didn't did he get lifetime or did he just get like a year? Indefinite. Okay. Well, indefinite's different than lifetime because it means they can change their mind at some point. I don't know if he ever got back on or not. Start talking about NASCAR games. Yeah, this one throws back to. Uh, it, actually, I was thinking. You know, we listen to. Of course, we're Dirty Mo fans, and uh, we listen to. Dell a lot and he's really into nascar history well now we are actually to the point you can just tell looking at the quality of the video we're at the point where we have historical sim racing videos now yeah that's what this one is uh teammate tom dryling posted this blast from the past of his first win uh broadcasted win in the sim 500 at bristol in 2006 i presume this is nascar 03 but uh either it's either that or it's r factor i think he said 20 or nr2003 is what he was saying when he was in the messenger i mean can you say net code look at how these cars are juking about um left and right and all over the place uh it's crazy it's amazing though what uh we uh used to run 
and we were acceptable graphic wise, right? I look at games that we were like, oh, these graphics are so good. And then the further we go and go and go, it's like everything looks so dated. So a couple things, sim500.com, it says in the top, they're still very active in iRacing. Um, In fact, they were just trying to recruit me to run on Tuesday nights. And I just, I feel like when I watch the video, I'm watching an old VCR tape. Yeah. Eight bit or something. I called Tom an old man because I saw this and okay. Special events. This one is cool. You're going to, I'm going to, I'll say this one. SCCA runoffs are coming to iRacing in October of 2022 as a special event. And so they're pleased to announce, um, this type of event for the first time, utilizing the super session model. Drivers will have the opportunity to qualify for these runoffs the week of October 17th to 21st before the top qualifiers strap in over the course of a marathon eight-hour broadcast day on Saturday, October 22nd. It's running a lot of the older cars. It's all different cars uh, that they're running. So each hour uh, is a different one. Formula V, then the Spec Racer, then the Miata, then GT1. And then F, uh, F2000, GT4, Mustang, touring cars. So I haven't quite figured it out. I mean, what you run throughout the week to get to the Saturday event to run one of these. So I guess they have series for each one of these cars, I presume? I don't know. We'll have to look into it and find out more details later. That will be fun, though, to participate. You know, I, I ran... Uh, the formula v uh, quite a bit in the last week and um i'd be i'd love to jump in on that one now we do have another event that we didn't get on the script but we do have the majors uh 24 of le mans coming up not this weekend but the following weekend yeah we have, still haven't set a schedule yet uh stefan sets that stuff up out of australia and and i'm gonna have to run early stints so i can sneak up to st louis for the gateway race Podcast housekeeping. What time are we doing the Saturday morning one or the Friday night? It's um, it's not. There's not separate time starts. Oh, it's okay. Is it just a Saturday? Yeah, it's, it's it's the majors, so they're starting them all at the same time, I believe. Okay. And Podcast we have to, housekeeping. Hang on. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, we have to. I'm going to cut that little part out. Blah, 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 blah. We have to uh, qualify on speed, so it'll probably be you and and a couple of the other guys who can qualify setting those times, because only three have to set the average. Tambor. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now.
podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and make it easier for more listeners to find our podcast. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Don't forget to get on our Discord. We have some great community going on over there. I put up uh, previews sometimes of the stories. Uh, I try to get some input from you guys. So uh, get over there and get involved. And don't forget the website, iRacersLounge.com. We're also in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, we didn't have fantasy last week, but does anyone, anybody want to talk or take this a chance to spread some praise for the All-Star Race this weekend? Burn Texas down. Praise? So yes, Jeff I would. Glock, I'm sorry. Jeff Glock did his normal survey, and I think this scored the lowest race ever since he's done it. 11% said it was a good race, and I think those 11% were drunk. <laughs> so Either that, they called in the door bumper clear this week that had gotten into it a little bit too <laughs> too early. They were either drunk or they were Canadian. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Easy. <laughs> Don't hate the us, guys, man. We didn't put on that pile of garbage. The guys in the tower were drunk. I was gonna say everything's bigger in Texas, even when they have shitty races, they go big. And everything is nicer in Canada. That's kind of where I was trying to go with that. They just didn't want to hurt their feelings. Well, I tell you one thing. I'm sure glad I didn't have to pick a fantasy for that. I would have picked Blaney's door net or window net. Man, I was fired up at the end of that race. I was so mad at NASCAR. I mean, I was steaming. I was steam pouring out of my ears over that. I, you know, to restart that race with that net window net not secure was the most BS thing NASCAR has ever done. Well, I had thought so too. And then listening, I think it was door bumper clear. Um, they kind of reminded me about the Jeff Gordon deal. And, you know, like it's, it's, it's pretty close. Like Jeff Gordon didn't, you know, it wasn't such a safety concern. Now that window net, that could have been, that could have been really, really bad. Did you, did you know? I, I don't know if you noticed, they were talking about the Jeff Gordon one, but the one thing that they did not mention, especially on when they had Jeff Burton on, they did not mention that when they put the restrictor plate on the cars at New Hampshire, that was one of the worst races ever, too, when Je Jeff Burton won it leading every lap. Well, a lot of people are that are, are fired up about the fact that they could have brought him down and let him put the window net and go back up. But that, but no, that's breaking the rules. Well, I don't think it says in the rule book anywhere, everybody go get your backup car because the whole field wrecked either, which is something they had to do one time when a new situation came up. Yeah, but it was, that was an all-star race as well. So was, Yeah, and so was this. So um, in the spirit of Blaney should have won the race, they should have let him come down and come back and take the lead back. I think I think the easiest thing was summed up too by Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he said, "You wouldn't have the window net problem if they would have just stuck, took their finger off that damn button for the caution. There was no need for it. They wanted a caution, but they should have never thrown it." And they they owned up to that part for sure. But if, if, if when you're coming to that last lap, you really should be thinking about is that caution going to affect the guys coming around? Do you have, you know, you have to throw it if it's a, such a hard hit that they need to get the safety crews, but they're, but the guy was rolling. So just like you said, it was an over, it was an over trigger happy 
call. Well, you know what? Anybody that pays attention to any kind of NASCAR is probably, uh, you know, heard and talked to death about this. What we do have, though, coming up is the 600, which is a hell of a race. It's kind of like, well, it's severely unproven with this new car. Tires. That's like, how are these boys going to manage that? Well, and Charlotte was one of the tracks they tested the most at. Was it not with this car? I mean, that was obviously the original version of the car, but Charlotte got a lot of testing done with it. Well, the teams have a lot of room to play with their with their cameras, and they're playing too much. They're going over the edge. So, you know, tire and the, the tires have been a been a major issue, and that's not obviously on on Goodyear has been, you know, well talked about, um, but then, you know, playing with pressures and all this other stuff. So if they have like a limited amount of sets of tires, do you think that'll come, could be a, a factor this week? I would say only if there's more wrecking, but I, that most of the 600 goes green for a long time. So unless tires start blowing and causing more cautions, I just, you're only going to probably get the stage breaks at the, what is it, 100, 200. I think this one has four stages, so it's 100, 200, 300, and then the, the 400 laps, right? Well, that's that's exactly what I mean. we we got a lot of racing to do, and if they're, you know, playing around too much with the setups, uh, you know, affecting those tires, you know, we could be seeing a lot of blowouts um, like we have been. See, I think it's weird, too, because they used to use the all-star race to kind of as like a, whoever got to race in it got to, you know, get a couple, get some practice for having the right race at, at uh, Charlotte, just getting some data for the car. Now they, they go to Texas and then travel all the way across, have a car to get ready, and they have no data for Charlotte, right? So who's your, who's your pick for, for Charlotte? Who's taking it? Who's going who's gonna to go the distance? If Larson finishes, it's going to be Larson, I would think. Or maybe one of the Gibbs cars. Yeah, Toyota's going to come back. Mike, who you got? Truex Jr. I mean, he hasn't won yet. That he can't be much wrong. I think maybe next year we do something where we actually do the pickums, a, a, a little a pickums, but just between us as well, like like they do on some of the other shows. That might be interesting. Have a list where we take things off. You can only pick one driver for the. Mm-hmm. And, and you go, it comes off the list. And you go in reverse order by, by points or the re- results from the re- previous week. That might be fun. And then you're going to enter after that, you're going to introduce the segment where people call into the show and, and then leave a message and we get to criticize it. Let's see if we can get caught. Co- <laughs> co- yes, we steal ideas. Okay. The, the, the only thing I, I can't remember if it was uh, Yoda or, or, um, or Yogi Berra that said the most creative people are the ones who, have, who hide their sources the best. Spot on. Maybe we need to do a better job of hiding our sources. Spot on. We're not that creative. <laughs> um, no, it w- that would be funny. We could get Kyle to set something up on discord where they could actually drop, drop in uh, um, voice, voice messages, right. Or just do a Dropbox kind of thing where they just recorded on audacity. Next week, we're going to have YouTube live where the guests can. Uh... Oh, we're YouTube live right now. And there's, you know, just how, how busy is that chat? Exactly. Spot off. 
It's almost as busy as my streams. Low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's turn the key to the hardware with a turnkey button box. And we don't mean that it's something that's just inserted it and ready to go. We're talking about a box that you, a, a switch that you actually turn the key. So after several requests, the folks over at Leading Edge Sim Controls, they're happy to announce that they will be offering a real key ignitions with their button boxes. If you would prefer the key ignition over the standard push button start, you can include it. Um, and it's included in the checkout on the site. Now, I guess this will be pretty cool for like maybe sports cars, but there's no key in a stock car. Oh. Now, this guy, we've talked about him before, leadingedgesimcontrols.com. He basically specializes in trucker button boxes for those trucker games. Uh, 18-wheel shifters and American that kind of thing. truck simulator or European truck simulator. Yeah, so he's got some nice boxes for that. At the bottom of the page, he does have a sim box or a sim racing box that looks very similar to stuff that we normally see. Yeah, it's a good. It's pretty similar to a DSD design, except it's got four rows instead of three. Now, what if your wife takes the keys to your rig? Does that mean she's going to make you go do the yard work before she gives the key back? Oh boy. Dave, you don't have to worry about that. It's okay. You don't have to worry about it. But, yeah, I mean, you have a key to start the whole thing and you can't race it without it? That would be kind of weird. All you, but, have to, all you have to do is click auto start ignition, right? Or you just reprogram the button. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're running, is it old bastards that runs absolutely no assist, so you stall the car out? Yeah, we have that in the getter done league. When you spin out, it's you got to hold the rubber, hold the clutch, and, like, it's it's it, it's kind of annoying when you when you're uh, spun out and you're trying to not get hit by people and you're stalled. Yeah. Plus, if you have your engine turned way down, you don't even know you're stalled. That's the main reason I quit using it in cup cars. I I just wouldn't know that I was stalled and I'd be stepping on the gas. Why ain't this car going? All right, next one, Mike. We've got some uh, sim coaches gear. Yeah. Well, we got a article here just from Digital Journal describing why sim coach pedals are very sim specific with their hydraulic uh, and they designed them in a way where they don't leak how they have not one not two but three seals um to prevent that and and as lawrence states basically more and more people have these devices in their homes in their households in their offices and of course you don't want this toxic fluid to be leaking in your home. And so uh, Sim Coaches uh, came up with a neat design, and this article kind of points it out. Man, what an awesome company. It's like they should, they should be sponsoring a lot of things. And you should definitely be buying their pedals. We have a code. You can get 10% off. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good deal. I mean, these are, these are great pedals, as David has said over and over. And I was running the Daytona 24, not well, not a 24, but uh, the European series is there, and I ran there this morning, and it blows my mind how much deeper I can drive into turn one and not spin out. Yeah, so one more uh, quick quote here. 
Sim Coaches is the only American sim racing manufacturer. They're competing against companies in Europe with market caps larger than 400 million. They're a small team innovating from design to software, all done in-house in their facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, but when you start thinking about it, they created something they got on the market here that's definitely going to, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Pretty cool. All right, Greg, you like to look at the rig reviews. Have you had a chance to look at the FGT from Next Level? Yeah, so this is the next, uh, their next, um, or actually, sorry, this is one that's been out for a while that they're saying um, it's their budget sim rig. Um, it, it's, I think, it's more one, it's one of the more simple rigs you can get from next level racing in general like it's just um it's just a simple seat um on a square would you call it a square tubular frame um for it uh but it's yeah square tubular it it's pretty it's a pretty piece sorry about that in the background there um it's a pretty like your 14 basic rig, but at least you got movement of the seat um it's you now it's a five hundred dollar rig. <laughs> I like how he was testing the uh, flex on it with the uh, the shifter there by standing on it. Um, but they are testing it with a direct drive wheel here, and it seems to be holding up pretty good. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think Scales runs this type of rig, and he's got um, his AccuForce. That's what he's he's running, and he he says it's yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Doesn't flex at all. You mean the one race he runs a year? Yeah, but for that one race, it's it's running <laughs> solid. No flex. I mean, it's, I was, was, was going to say, kinda, this is the same design that my old rig on my Obo Revolution kind of was. Um, same kind of material and stuff. Except this one's kind of in the F1 seated position, right? It's got both. It looks like it moves, doesn't it? It's like GTF1 style. You can have a GT and F1 style, but I think I don't know. I think the thing with it though is, um, I just it's kind of reminds me more of like a, a tabletop with a, a basic um, seat. It will definitely be an office chair and desk, and a play seat garbage. Hey, hey, play seat got me here for a while now. Now play seat is you're right. But you did at least have a play seat that didn't block the center post, right? No, it had a center post. Ugh, ugh. That's right. You were being beaten by a center post for a long time. This is Be- terrible. Beaten, <laughs> beaten, beaten where? Beaten where? On road courses? This is comparable to play seat, I think. I mean, but it's a little bit better. Well, it's better, and the and the and the price is much better, right? Like this is an entry level rig. Like you, you spend five hundred bucks on this thing, it's 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 worth five hundred bucks. It, um, it'll get you there. Like, you want that play seat garbage and spend too much money on it, and it's got a middle post. Well, and you know, most times you see a budget rig where something like this. Sometimes it doesn't come with a seat. You got to add the seat to sometimes, and then it's another cost on it. So, five hundred dollars all in. Yeah, I'd take that if you know if you got a budget. I, I would talk you into you know just double your budget and let's get you something eighty twenty. Oh yeah, that would definitely be <laughs> the actual way of doing it. But yeah, <laughs> in this economy with the uh, the percentage of people at iRacing going down slowly, I mean sometimes you can't afford a lot. 
But you might say that you ultimately get what you pay for. So let's forget about talking and budget, including all of the uh, kind of budget direct drives we've been covering lately. And let's jump right to the SimCube Ultimate 2 with 32 Newton meters of torque. All right. Mike, I want to see you run this one at 100%. Oh, this wheel's been out a long time, but we need to talk about it because it is the best wheel as far as that goes, isn't it? There isn't one that has more power. I was going to say, does the two stand for the two thumbs that are broken on it, your fingers all the time from running something that torquey? Look at how long it is, though. I mean, it's just long. I can't believe how long it is. Well, but, that's because, you know, like, it's it's a steering box by day, and by night it's operating heavy heavy machinery. Like, this thing's a bloody monster. Yeah, it retorts wheels and stuff like that with the... the <laughs> The amount of torque it has. Three thousand one hundred thirty euros. Just the base. Oh, but they have a deal they'll throw in a wheel to go with it. But you also get the um like it, it it's a whole package, Mike. You you've get the uh well the controller box obviously, but um like a shut off uh button and it looks like you've got a couple of different um like wheel adapters. Not quite quick releases, but um, they could be. So do we know anybody that has this? I don't know that I do. I think some of the guys I run with are running them. I don't know about this one, though. The ultimate? I mean, that's the, that's what I'm saying is there's a lot of people that have the sport and the uh, I, there's a middle one that they have. This is the third one. And this that's, uh, infrared picture is kind of neat looking. You see where all the heat is on the unit. It's, it runs cooler than the human body, it looks like. So boxthislap.org did a review of it, and that's why we're talking about it. And they had a nice write-up about the wheel and uh, all the good things it does. And we're actually talking about the base, not the wheel. It's quite a neat, neat review. He's got high-res pictures, text, everything. He shows the, the package, the unboxing, you know, and then, you know, different profiles of it as well. Yeah, here's the three. It's a SimuCube Sport, Pro, and then Ultimate. 17, 25, or 32 NM. I, looking at it, I still can't believe how, in, in something that's like so uh, small there, like, in it, like the size of it, I can't believe that they can cool it as easy as they do. I mean, and then look at the difference in the power supplies from from the three different bases. The first one is 280 watts. The other one is 450 watts, and it jumps to 1,000 watts for the Ultimate. I mean, you're not messing around if you pick this one. So the Ultimate has a bigger power supply than most computers that run the sim. For now. For now. Now, remind me, what does the DD1 have for force? 20, I believe. 20 and then the dd2 25 it's either 15 and 20 or 25 and in 20 i don't really remember yeah it's not even close to the 32 though wow well who wants to pick up the track racer trx update i'll volunteer taking a look at it we got a tubular blue frame uh it looks pretty solid kind of your standard tubular setup and it doesn't have that post in the middle it's got extra bracing around uh around the junctions of the tubular to give it a lot more rigidity. 
Yeah, this was an update from Track Racer basically saying to the people that have ordered this, hey, it's going to take some more time. We're going to be pushing out deliveries. The frames are actually done, but the seats are taking longer. So Q4 is the worst case. Wow, can you imagine ordering this and thinking you're going to get it, you know, in Q1, Q2, and now they're saying Q4? Kind of, sort of, when I got the DD. Normal business, huh? No, it wasn't normal business back then. It is now because of all the supply chain issues. And that's probably what this is about. You know, they, they probably don't have all the, the stuff to get it done. They're waiting on others. It's sitting in a boat off California. Well, just look at the world as it is now. When I, I've just hit my one-year mark in my company uh, working. And when I started, the day one I started, they had already put in an order for a brand new trailer. And we just got the trailer a couple weeks ago. So it takes a while to get something once you're designing it, right? I ordered for last marching season a set of remote mics to, to hook up directly to woodwind instruments for soloists. I ordered them in early August, and I got them two weeks ago. Wow. It was almost to the point where I was just going to have to cancel the order because we can't carry purchase orders over a year. At July 1st, the fiscal year rolls over, and everything has to be closed. Something else coming soon is the DSD P8R. This is the Derek Spears Designs. Announcing on Instagram their new P8R racing bo button box coming soon. Basically, kind of, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say before you, it kind of reminds me of like a mouse. It looks like, you know, you could put it on your mouse tray and have it as a button box. It's hard yeah. to tell exactly how wide it is, but yeah, it, it does look compact and it's, it always fits Mike's favorite criteria is that he likes it thin. Yeah, super thin. I like that. How long? It's got rows of, <laughs> it's got rows of uh, five buttons of three, three rows, uh, so fifteen buttons, and then basically eight knobs left, you know, that turn left and right. I mean, uh, lots of volume knobs, I guess. Brake bias. Yeah, good simple uh, boxes always have a, a certain look to them. You know, simple, plain black. You know, no labels, nothing like that. I'm all, I, I, those labels that that's the the heartbreaker for me, you know, in VR. I mean, Tony's business is going to go out of sale for if people kept going VR. We couldn't make labels. Yeah, I think we've, got, say, we we we've talked about one similar to this, and I thought it was the same, but then going through the pictures and stuff, no, it's not. But yeah, just very. Uh, obviously, this would be absolute hell for anybody running VR. Um, but yeah, very very plain it's not no it's not too bad i have three rows of buttons on both sides with with mine and you just build muscle muscle memory just like you do with the keyboard you just kind of know what every key does and you can you just do it by feel it, it doesn't have that look though that i i've been going for you know with it's it's got that 3d printed look it's probably a, a bit of a cost cutter yeah but it's got a matte finish, basically, and you can three D print and then gloss stuff. Actually, you can get a glossy finish with with three D printers as well. Well, how about the V and M pedal review, Mike? Well, we talked about V and M uh, review last week with their pedals, and now <clears throat> Sim Racing Garage has their review. So they're actually making the rounds. 
you know, basically Barry said at the end under the final review that he has trouble, that it worked okay with threshold breaking, but as he transitioned from threshold breaking to trail breaking, he couldn't find that sweet spot and he couldn't get them dialed in. And he said most people probably would be okay with them, but he had a problem with them as far as that went. But other than that, he didn't have a lot of negative stuff to say um, that I heard. I haven't. Go ahead. Sorry, David. I haven't watched it. Um, was his problem that when it came off, it was coming off the trail or the pre- threshold breaking too quickly or something? Well, I didn't see the part when he was driving and talking about it. He talked about it in his final thoughts, so he didn't really say, but I presume it was just coming off that threshold breaking too much, um, you know, or, or not enough, you know, to get down to where he wanted that trail break part. It looks like just glancing at the final thought section of the video that it, the brake pedal has a lot of travel and that just always makes uh if you're, having to trail go to trail transition to trail braking with a brake that travels a lot instead of being able to feel the pressure you're having to use a different set of muscles literally you can you're having to lift your foot instead of just let the brake lift you so that's a couple different reviews on those um they haven't been well the first one remember they had a problem with the software um i think i i didn't see here him mention the software in the final thoughts though so perhaps they got it better. I don't know. All right, Greg, we probably, have a an... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Probably a wait and see on those before I'd buy them. If you buy pedals, you better be buying hydraulics at this point. Right. So, Greg, uh, BMW M3 GT2 upgrade. Sorry, I'm just opening the link here. I wanted me to do the... Uh, <clears throat> sorry, cook the cookies for the site. Um, but so the BMW uh, GT2... Uh, version two of the Fanatic steering wheel um, is coming out, and um, I'm just trying to figure out what the. I would guess the biggest part is the quick release is their their new thing for it. So um, th- there's a couple upgrades to it. I'm 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 just trying to remember what the old well, one had compared the to the magnetic what this new shifters are standard. Now the magnetic shifters and are standard and that's 30% lighter. And then, like you said, the new QR, or it says it's ready for the new QR2 system coming soon. So is that going to be an up? Uh, it's kind of hard, I guess, from what it's saying there. So you can upgrade it. So it basically isn't coming with the second uh, quick release system. I guess not. I kind of like the that it has magnetic shifters. The worst part is, is, you know, a lot of the stuff I've purchased over the years with Fanatec didn't have any of that. And it looks like all their new stuff has these on it now. And I wish, you know, some of the things back then I purchased had these. The price isn't so bad for something with a, with a label stuck on it. Usually they really, really rank crack it up when, uh, when it's got that label with the with a replica, but it's only 350 euros, which is going to be roughly the same in dollars. Um, I don't love the button layout, but that kind of comes down to personal preference. Is there really, I mean, I think the Porsche oval rim is not bad, but it's really hard to do a what, like obviously if it's a tighter rim, it's easier to have buttons located. But when you get to the, the wider rims, the buttons either have to be on the out, like, 
really they can't be in the center section of the wheel because you just can't reach it with your thumbs. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm able to reach a a lot more buttons on the one I've got compared to this one, but it's it's not bad. I mean, it's really about one less button per thumb. Do you have the BMW? Which one do you have? You have the Porsche. I have the Por I have the original Porsche that's they just turned into a like an oval rim, I think, almost sort of. Except I, it I got it before I knew I was going to get a Formula rim free, right? Because it was going to let me do both. I think what's different about this wheel over some of the other ones is the wheel and the button box are very integrated. It's not like there was a button box and then they bolted a wheel onto it. It, it doesn't have that kind of design um, that I see. I mean, that's what I see different. You get that with the Porsche wheel as well. I think what you're thinking about more is like th that universal hub with the add-on buttons that you can get and stuff like that, um, which are hard to even get close enough. Now, the quite a few of the, the rounder GT style rims like this have a proper... The, the button box is a part of the wheel. It's not just something that's kind of stuck on and added. If you like smaller oval wheels, this is a good choice. So magnetic and 30% lighter is what I got off of that in the new v2 well mike you may have waited too long to order your uh your formula in do you think looking at this dsd <laughs> well i don't know i mean no i i got the right wheel um but if you're on a budget maybe this wheel could be for you so Derek spears is busy designing stuff uh, when he gets starts uh, he gets on a roll but he's got him a lms bluetooth wheel he calls it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's got some carbon fiber look on the front of it. He's got big old grips. And of course, his style of buttons on, to, on it. You know, he's got four knobs and a bunch of red push buttons. Um, no labels. Pretty plain looking. It uh, doesn't show the back of it or how it mounts at all. So that's kind of a concern. But it's not for sale yet. It's just something he's working on. I don't want to be critical of it because obviously it's just you know his first design but it's it seems like something you would order off of wish or something like that it's very 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 simple or 3d print like you ordered it from a 3d printer but on that same token it's got a lot of buttons a lot really packed in close together it's like a it's literally a button box on a wheel all he, all he needs is to throw a hat switch on there or two. I love my wheel. I mean, I, I used it some today, and it, it's great. I mean, I can't say enough about it. But, yeah, th I made a good choice. All right. All right. Well, let's jump into results. NIS. NIS. Let's uh, talk Charlotte. David, P8. Yeah, something weird happened here, and I'm not absolutely 100% sure it was a glitch, but I pulled into the pits on a green flag stop and only got left side tires. I, I thought it was a bug, but I think at some point, I don't know why, at some point I had cleared the tires, maybe thinking I was going to have to go back in for something or or something and then a little bit later decided to make a tire adjustment on the left rear and then that's what made it just take lift so it was it may have been set to not take any tires at all 
And I just realized it too late and had to run the whole rest of the stint. Uh, we, we had three stops without cautions at that point, basically, or two stops, three stints. Um, so I had to run a good chunk of the race on uh, old right side tires. I think I ran the, the right sides for basically about 100 laps. And then on the, the last stop, I had to take only right sides and leave the left sides on there. So I probably would have been about fifth or fourth, but instead eighth, but still a decent finish. All right. And I ran, um, I was pretty uncomfortable at the beginning. I was letting people go. I kind of went to the high line, let people go into the low lane. I wasn't fading much, just a little bit. Um, I just let my teammate Tom Dryling go by um, and came into turn one and there was a car sitting perpendicular sideways against the wall. And I was in the top lane. I, by the time I saw him, I turned left to go down. The car went left, but I just barely, barely clipped him. And then it hooked me into the wall. So I had some 15 minutes damage or something. Sat there for 20 minutes or however long and got it fixed. Went to pull out and the car wouldn't even roll out of the box. Now, I actually drove it into the box before repairs. But after repairs, it wouldn't even roll out of the box. I, I mean, I couldn't even figure out what in the heck it was going on. So, boom, I'm out. I parked it. That's actually a glitch that happens sometimes, yeah? Where it just will not let you out. It's a bug. How did uh, Tom finish? Do you know? Um, he was gone by the time I finished, and I didn't hear him say he was leaving. So, don't know. He probably dumped it. All right, let's go to Thursday Open. David parked it. Yeah, first uh, first days there off, I was like, all right, I'll run it. And it may be even funny if I'm still in the race when the show starts. But uh, on the second run, about 100 laps in, I just got a little too I, I, too impatient with staying, getting off the throttle when it was tight and just dinged the wall just barely. But this broken damage model with these cars right now, you scrape the, the wall and, and suddenly your car just can't go anymore. And I'm not talking about a, a you know a hard hit like like the hit that brought out that dumb caution even but um it it was just you just sort of you just scrape it any at all and and it slows your car down okay. um and it and then over compensating for that then i actually slammed the car slammed the wall hard a few laps later and was like i've already got the finish and i've and I got the show coming up so i just i parked it didn't want to endure that for 400 miles or, or another for 600 miles yeah, I'm going to run Friday night and hopefully get a finish. Um, man, my luck is horrible. Okay, I've been running some road stuff. I ran some Formula V again, and I've, I kind of realized I that's too low for me. I need to go up another notch. So I bought Skip Barber car. Um, and then I ran Skip Barber in AI at Monza and Spa until I kind of felt comfortable. Um, and then today I went ahead and, and jumped into official racing for Skip Barber. Um, I had to buy the track, the Nürburgring, um, Nordschleife as they call it. Wow, what a fun track. I had no idea. I mean, it really reminds me of Mount Washington, like a point to point kind of track. I know why you like this track. Because it feels like you're on a track that you've never seen for, for a whole uh, nine minutes. And so you're like, yes, I, there's no corner I ever recognized. It's just like every race. 
Yeah, it's it's like a point-to-point race is what it feels like. <laughs> I like to see what David did there, and Mike just went right through it. I was referring to the fact that you rarely practice. Hey, I, I, I had fun with it. I mean, when I got into the practices with these people uh, that were in the practices, I mean, I had fun trying to, like, stay behind them and see if I can catch them. And you really have to keep speed up in these cars. And it's a matter of how much do you slow down versus how much you're speeding up. Yeah, which car did you, did you run? Skip Barber. Okay, see, see, I had to learn it in a GT. And, oh, it's just so hard to memorize. The, the, the toughest thing is to remember which corners are high-speed corners and which corners are slow-speed corners. That's really where I would get into trouble. And, and some of it with the scenery, you're trying to remember which corner you're coming to, too. Like, what's, yeah, that's what's what I mean. at the end of that straightaway to what to the other straightaway? Because sometimes you got a long straightaway that has a sharp turn at the end, and then some of them have a quick kick, and you can go through it wide open. Yeah. So you, as you're in, as you're coming up to the corner, you got to remember: Do I let off hard, or do I just coast around it, or do I flat out through it? And eventually, you just have to had to kind of memorize a certain set of mile markers or it would have kilometer markers and that was what I had to start using to remember which sequence or which part of the track I was on so I ran the race uh, I was car number one ouch started third there was no qualifying which kind of threw me and I was wrecked you know shortly thereafter um I'd made a couple moves, but uh, it didn't work out. So, yeah, I got wrecked out. And so I'm going to try that again. I'll probably run a bunch of those tonight, um, one after another, as kind of my plan. Uh, maybe some tomorrow during the day before we run the 600. But uh, uh, I rating be damned. Um, title idea, by the way. I'm going to run that car into the ground and see what happens. All right, let's jump to the league race. David, P6. Yeah, they had a little bit of self self inflicted nose damage or on the on the right side, kind of towards the end. But this really ended up being about all the speed that I had. Um, I don't remember much else about this race. I mostly remembered the the open that we had before. All right, and I got wrecked out. <laughs> Did it? Oh, that's right. That's right. And and I actually had P five, didn't I? Now that I'm thinking about it, because you were P eight, weren't you? Or P nine? So it was yeah. P5. I, um, yeah, there was a caution that fell at a place where you could pit or not. And I went ahead and did. Uh, and I think I might have only taken fuel. I don't remember. But it basically allowed me to make it on one less stop than than the really fast guys. Uh, so that's, that's where I beat quite a few people. And, oh, this was, this is the all-star race too. That's what yeah. it was. Now, we did have a, a What an Idiot Award, and we don't say specific names, but on one restart, somebody decided they were going to pit from oh, from the no. pole, from the pole on the restart with the whole field bunched up, and he took out about six cars. Sure, he apologized for it, but he still gets a What, what an Idiot. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just... <sighs> I didn't say anything toward, towards all of it, but I'm just trying to think of why were they pitting on lap 50 with first, sorry, with 50 to go when they didn't have to, like you could have run like 10 laps. Like you wanted to split it to have tires. Cause I think even if he would have pitted there, he's 
gonna have to go 50 laps on those tires yeah and the only thing i'm thinking is he thinks maybe he gains a bunch of time because he is pitting while everybody's under speed but it's not going to compare to the time he gives up being slower well and i don't know i it, it boggled my mind why you'd even even try it there but i mean at least he owned up to it but it's just there's <laughs> it's frustrating because it took out some good guys too yeah he did own up to it but that doesn't mean we can't make fun of it still um and what what kind of cost may have cost me a little bit of time too is i got through it but i literally thought the caution to come out i didn't even think to look whether it had come out or not i'm like oh yep that's a caution and i'm i'm literally just kind of keeping pace with the guy in front of me getting ready to catch the pace car and suddenly two cars come just whizzing by me and i'm like oh shit we're still green yeah and actually if i think about it david this wasn't a fuel mile race this was more of uh it was just where we where we ended up coming out because of where we pitted with tires because you passed me I want to say what 15 to go or maybe more because you had pitted 10 laps later i can't i think it was five to ten laps later that's right i had run you short pitted i think well i had to because i stayed out with the 50 laps to go so i went yeah i wanted to split it 40 and 40 or whatever from the two stages and it um it didn't end up working out with me because i got damaged Uh. by the all-star of idiots in the race but who know but we don't have to deal with that anymore so it won't matter um but i just i i think the it was a good race the open took too long it was so late in the night when we finished that race yeah and, and it's interesting talking about the open because i like the format and i thought about well what if we did less laps um but at the same time i really enjoyed the way that tire strategy fell in that open and you would lose that if you made it less tires, less laps. Even if you go counting caution laps, that's still just less laps. And it's, I just, I don't know what that would have done to it. Um, it would, I wonder if it would have had unintended consequences of making it less interesting. Now, me and Adam were in the open. Adam uh, won the open, right? And the first uh, he one, moved the on. first yeah. 25, was it 25 laps or each of them? He won the first stage, right? So that, yeah. that guaranteed yeah. him in, right? And the real boys had to stay if they won a stage in the in the well in the all-star race they had to they had to to get that starting spot that they got they had to stay in the top 15 the rest of the race or they lost their starting spot um jeff actually made adam pit and he's like no i don't want to pit i want to practice yeah he had to sit and watch but then i was uh in the open there yeah and i ended up getting wrecked too many incidents and i had a had a thing where i got a 4x i already had a 4x i got knocked down into pit road and somehow i ended up at 12x and it was a drive-through and it was excessive speeding and it was like a meatball and it was like three black flags on on top of each other and i was like i'm done i pulled the plug and that's it let's go to final thoughts david hall all right uh gonna be doing a lot of racing but i'm, I'm not gonna literally have the stream up all the time because you know a point eight average viewer is better than a 0.5 average viewer so i'm going to try to try to uh create a little bit of exclusivity <laughs> now literally i just mostly throw it up for the for the two teammates and and mom that watch so there you go keep it going just keep it going greg hector's final thoughts um i got uh <clears throat> sorry i got the uh 
Get Her Done GT3 series, which is this next season starts tonight, season three, which rolls over into the European side of racetracks. So we're racing at uh, Zandvoort tonight, um, which I have not raced in a while. And I'm thinking I'm going to change to from the Lamborghini to the Mercedes and try it that way for this season. But uh, they have changed up the format for this race, so it's not an hour and 10-minute uh, endurance race anymore. They're splitting it up into 30-lap heats. So you get points from the first heat, and then wherever you finish in the first heat, they invert the field and then give points out at the end of the second as the finish, and that's how they're doing it to maybe drive. I think what they were trying to do is drive some incentive because uh, if you wreck out early or if you – spin off the track it's really hard to make up positions and gain points and stuff in it so they're thinking that if you don't instead of throwing a caution where everyone knows a caution's coming out or something um i was thinking of asking david or for the, his system or even maybe showing them that system for the cautions for incidents but i'm gonna see how this season plays out maybe i'll offer it to him for next season to see how they do it that sounds like a pretty good idea too and i would like for you to ask them specifically how to set up the heat race to do that automatically or are they or are they just doing two separate races i haven't seen how the room's set up yet i was just about to uh, enter in it i gotta i have 20 minutes till the race starts but i've wanted uh, a format like that i'm interested to see how it goes because i like i said in the thing there goes i've been the best car on fuel strategies in these races and i've been able to do sometimes do one stops instead of you know in a two-stop race because i can save so much more but uh i'm wondering if that took it that that advantage for me away so maybe i'm gonna have to just be fast now yeah we'll find out exactly how they which buttons they click because i'd like to know that for sure also um right now on gt3 i think the bmw is the most popular car but you're one thing you're going to end up having to deal with is you're going to have a balance of power hit in the middle of your season. Yeah, that's what you were saying. You said, wait, wait on it. But I'm like, as soon as you start the season with a car, you have to run it for the 12 weeks. So I just wanted to try a different car and go from it because I kept saying that I had a, I had a, I've had a very bad uh, speed advantage on the straightaways or lack of advantage on the straightaways with the Lambos. So it wasn't the best car on the straightaway. Okay. Tony grows final thoughts. Um, well, I'm going to attempt the 600, uh, Friday. We'll see how that goes. I tried an open race, uh, the other day that didn't go so well. So, oh, hopefully, uh, our setups gotten a little better by Friday. Otherwise I might be in a little bit of trouble. Did you catch the information I sent you yesterday in chat? Yes, I did. Yes, okay. I did. I haven't had a chance to uh, practice that up yet, so I'm going to try and jump on a little extra early tomorrow before, just so I can run a few laps and see how that does. Basically, the adjustment I made early in the first A open was the wrong direction. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I even ran long enough to have that become a, like an even a factor for me. So that was kind of unfortunate. But that's one of the reasons I like to run those A opens because I ran probably a hundred laps in practice and didn't know how far off I was until I did the race. I think maybe the strategy I'm going to need to do is just start from the pits because if my Friday night race is going to be anything like what I saw in the A open race that I attempted, 
Um, you, you're losing guys like for the <laughs> yeah cautions every three laps because they just can't uh, keep the cargo straight. It just spins out so quick on them. And uh, RA open though, we had four green flag pit stops. Yeah, yeah, we are in two different worlds. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see. Uh, cross my fingers. Hopefully, I, I've I've always been able to finish the 600, so I hope to continue that streak. That's 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 my goal. Just finish, and that should be all right. If you can finish, you'll get a good result, pretty much. You know. Okay, so my final thoughts. Uh, wow, road racing, the Skip Barber car, pretty fun. I, it's real easy to overdrive, like like David was saying. You go into these high speed corners, but you do have to slow down to a a speed that the car can actually handle and if you're used to these uh these big open wheel cars like the indy car and stuff with tons of downforce it's a it's a different beast um so you really gotta finesse it um so having fun having fun with that having fun with my new wheel uh kyle our my teammate pendygrass uh pendygraft he uh said that he has shipped me my parts I need to finish up the fan project and so I paid him a little money for shipping and stuff and and I should be getting that in the next few days so hopefully uh, this time next week I'll have an update on my uh, wind sim and uh, hopefully we'll make that a little bit better than it was and with that hey we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.